It's been a while since I've done an episode of Profiles of the Lavender Mafia. The bad news in the church has come in such a steady stream that I haven't been able to profile one of the heroes of the enemies of the church. But today the news is relevant and provides a great opportunity to do another profile. For those that are new, that intro is meant to be humorous, in a sort of black humor kind of way. For those of you that have been here for a long time and are still wondering where my Malachi Martin's State of the Church video is, this video will be of interest to you for one reason. In Windswept House, the person profiled in this video is one of the characters in that book, although he goes by a different name, and there is a major accusation against him. That's all I'll say on that topic. Now, on to the profile of Roger Mahoney. Archbishop Wilton Gregory was formally installed in Washington, D.C. this week. Traditionally, the D.C. Archdiocese is one of the most powerful in the United States, and is all but guaranteed to lead to the Archbishop being elevated to the office of a Cardinal Elector once his predecessor turns 80 and is ineligible to vote in the next conclave. Gregory's predecessor, Cardinal Donald Wuerl, turns 79 this November, giving us 18 months before the protege of Cardinal Bernadine becomes a Cardinal, continuing the proud tradition of the nation's capital being governed spiritually by a man of likely dubious character. As an almost omen of things to come, the installation mass was attended by a who's who of the modernist crowd in D.C., with a special guest cardinal who had been forced into retirement due to his obstruction of law enforcement investigations into clerical sex abuse. All in all, this Archbishop Wilton Gregory has already been lauded by the types of people so hung up on race that all they can think of is the color of his skin, a shocking but not really shocking turn of events in a world gone mad. As I reported earlier, Archbishop Gregory comes with a lot of baggage regarding the normalization of deviant sexual behavior during his time in Atlanta, putting him in the same camp of homosexualist archbishops as his predecessor, the man his friends nicknamed Donna, Cardinal Donald Wuerl. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? What kind of man gets nicknamed Donna? Anyway, let's have a look at this installation mass because it did raise some eyebrows among the faithful paying attention, because, particularly because of the presence of one man. The installation mass took place Tuesday, May 21st, in the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Gregory is the seventh archbishop of D.C., following in the footsteps of several men who built a bridge, so to speak, between the St. Gallen Mafia and the Lavender Mafia. Most noteworthy is the presence of Cardinal Roger Mahoney, who had been outed as having covered up the exploits of predator priests in his time as the Cardinal Archbishop of Los Angeles. In 2013, his misdeeds became public, when the courts ordered release of archdiocesan files in the aftermath of a 2007 sex abuse legal settlement, for which the L.A. Archdiocese had to fund the largest payout for sex abuse claims in church history to the tune of $606 million. And that money came out of the pockets of the lay faithful living in that archdiocese. Let's have no illusions about this. His successor, Archbishop Gomez, censured Mahoney in what is probably an unprecedented move in the modern church, although it was also largely an empty gesture. He was forbidden to engage in public activity within the confines of the archdiocese. That's the key, though, within the confines of the Los Angeles archdiocese. This year, Mahoney gave an important address to the L.A. Rec, the Los Angeles Religious Education Conference, on the issue of immigration, where he repeated all the typical open borders arguments that fly in the face of historic teaching of the church on this issue, and that's something he's been doing for his whole career. L.A. Rec is held in the neighboring Ar 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 Diocese of Orange outside the authority of Archbishop Gomez. 
at least in theory outside his authority, so nothing is ever done to punish the man when he speaks publicly. And I do question Archbishop Gomez's authority and commitment to that ban on public engagements by Cardinal Mahoney because it is reported that Mahoney still does the rite of confirmation in various parishes in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, which is a clear violation of his imposed ban of public appearances. Now, I'm going to quote verbatim an article from LifeSite from earlier this week. It's astonishing. Quote, The local Catholic, referencing a person who at L.A. Rex spoke out against Mahoney's presence, continued to cite other issues with Mahoney for LifeSite News. And this included barring the church's only sanctioned ministry for same-sex attracted Catholics, Courage, and its companion Encourage program for family members, she said. To interject here, Courage is a program that tells those afflicted with same-sex attraction to carry their crosses and not to give in to their passions. Anyway, to continue, the woman who has a child who struggles with same-sex attraction said this act directly impacted her family negatively since it left them with only acronym-affirming groups to choose from. Not only did he cover up for the sex abuse in L.A., the Catholic said, not only did he propose and push horrible liturgical changes in parishes in Los Angeles, she then referenced Mahoney's 1997 document on the liturgy in which he calls for an Americanized liturgy, meaning Protestant, that ignores the meaning of the Mass as a sacrifice. His writings prompted criticism from EWTN foundress Mother Angelica, to which Mahoney responded by angrily seeking her censure with various Vatican offices, unless she would publicly apologize, even broaching threats of denying Mother the sacraments. End quote. Now, that last part should have him publicly declared a heretic by the Pope, and have him formally stripped of his office, titles, and privileges as a cardinal of the Church. What he advocated there is precisely the kind of so-called reforms that calls into question all manner of things in the post-conciliar church, including the validity of ordinations and consecrations, for the understanding of priest as the man who perpetually represents the sacrifice of Calvary is essential to the very being of the priest, going back all the way to the time of the apostles. To change the meaning of the Mass, to remove the sacrificial nature of the divine liturgy, destroys both the Mass and the priesthood if the Mass is not understood as a sacrifice. The intent of the consecrating bishop and the intent of the man seeking holy orders are essential to the validity of their ordination. Mahoney is a spiritual terrorist of the worst kind. This is summed up in the following quote from Mahoney, when he said of the collapse of vocations in the church after the council, quote, What some refer to as a vocations crisis is, rather, one of the many fruits of the Second Vatican Council. It is a sign of God's deep love for the church and an invitation to a more creative and effective ordering of gifts and energy in the body of Christ. End quote. He's referring there to the sudden proliferation of lay ministries in the church that had traditionally been done by priests and seminarians, but no longer are because of both the democratization of the church and the collapse of vocations. During his tenure, Mahoney permitted the kinds of so-called ministries that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church advocates to flourish in his diocese. Only those that affirmed the acronym Death Style were permitted in the diocese, and it was only after his ouster, or retirement because he did hit mandatory retirement age, that courage was permitted to come to the archdiocese. This isn't really that surprising, given that his diocese paid out the largest settlement in church history for the cover-up of abuse of over 500 victims, and people are still in denial about the link between same-sex attraction and the clerical sex abuse crisis. 
Mahoney, early on in his Episcopal career, made a name for himself by punishing some priests for their evil behavior. But as stated earlier, in 2013, it came to light that he had covered up in an astonishing number of abuse cases. This cover-up included sending bad priests out of the country. That's a federal uh, offense, by the way. To where? We're not really sure, though the 14,000-page document released by the courts may shed some light on this. In other words, Mahoney exported the very worst priests from the U.S. to other countries, spreading the disease of homo predators like some twisted pathogen. Now, those priests that he punished were cases that were probably so bad that there was simply no way to cover them up or to successfully send them to Paraguay or wherever. Nor is it surprising because he was a known close associate of Ted McCarrick. Let's reflect on something. During the 1980s, the most powerful prelates in the U.S. were Mahoney, Bernadine, and yes, Ted McCarrick, among others. Mahoney in Los Angeles, Bernadine in Chicago, and McCarrick in various places on the East Coast, but most notably in this time, Newark, New Jersey, where he was able to use careful alliances and fundraising to wreak havoc on the church. Later, McCarrick would, of course, go to D.C., and Mahoney was still in Los Angeles. Cardinal Bernadine went on to his judgment in the mid-1990s, but both McCarrick and Mahoney participated in both the 2005 and 2013 conclaves. Yes, even after being censured by his successor, Cardinal Mahoney voted in the 2013 conclave. Being a close associate of Whirl, McCarrick, and the like, how do you think he voted? They say that guilt by association is a fallacy. Perhaps in some cases it is, but it's not always. I mentioned Archbishop Gregory at the start because we often learn a lot about the bishops by seeing who they were ordained or consecrated by. Bolton Gregory was consecrated a bishop by Cardinal Bernadine, he of the seamless garment and of the perverse life he lived. And if you want to know more about that, I have a my previous uh, installation of this series was about Cardinal Bernadine. McCarrick was consecrated by Cardinal Spellman, a cardinal who fought for embracing the dirty money of Caesar and who was known to be practicing the Skittles lifestyle himself. Taste the rainbow. It is no wonder, then, that the Lavender Mafia's most notorious figure, who is not possibly facing criminal prosecution, like McCarrick probably will, would publicly appear at the installation mass for Wilton Gregory, especially when his peers in the church, who have somehow retained their offices in Rome and have evaded justice so far, were present at the event. We know that Bishop Gregory takes a typical Lavender Mafia attitude towards the particular sin that cries to heaven for vengeance that we're dancing around the bush about here, judging from his history in Atlanta. I'm afraid it's just a continuation of business as usual in the church in America. The bishops are living in absolute denial about the link between same-sex attracted priests and clerical sex abuse, as are a number of the laity, despite the vast majority of the abuse cases being between adult men and teenage boys, which fits the textbook definition of homosexual abuse, not pedophilia. But what else are we to expect? After all, the lineup of bishops who attended are the who's who of cheerleaders for the Sodom and Gomorrah lobby in the church, past and present. Is it surprising at all that these men would attend the promotion mass of one of their own? Certainly not. But there is an element of their laughing at the laity who noticed these things. They certainly don't seem to care what we think. That much is evident by the simple fact that they gave themselves the ability to police themselves whenever allegations of sexual abuse are leveled against a priest under their authority. The establishment Catholic media cheered for that decision and called it a groundbreaking reform of the process, all the while ignoring that it would have put men like Roger Mahoney and Ted McCarrick in charge of investigating abusers in their own dioceses. That should give anyone paying attention pause, but sadly, 
so few are paying attention to this that these men are able to continue to get away with their heinous abuse of power. They flaunted in public at these kinds of events. Some months ago, I asked a question that, in closing, I'll ask again. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to church news, it's usually the same 10 or 20 bishops that make the news around the world? That it's the same small group of bishops that the Vatican tasks with important work on almost anything? That it's the same small group of men who are close to the Pope? Aside from Cardinal Mahoney and Archbishop Gregory, the attendees of this installation mass are men on that same list of strangely influential men, and every one of them have gone on the record making heterodox statements about sexual morality in the church. Curious, isn't it? Why are so many of these so many men of dubious character close to the Pope? It really does make you think, does it? Just look at the family tree of these men, and you're going to see mere degrees of separation from Mahoney and Bernadin and Svelman. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Pray and do acts of penance for the liberation and exaltation of the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Viva Cristo Rey.